0: Everyone, welcome to River City for those who are new, for those who have been here before, and all the in-between. Um, so we usually start off uh, our services with uh, a reading from the lectionary, um, and that's what we're going to start with on Psalm 97. Oh um, yeah, I always look back when I've got a screen here. Here we go. It looks better, so you can see my face. Uh, Psalm 97 says the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the people see his glory. All worshipers of images are put to shame. Who make their boast in worthless idols, worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because your judgments, O oh Lord. For you, O oh Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. O oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of the saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord. O oh, you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. I know just even thinking about this psalm, it especially how it starts off of just this imagery of just the majestic, just the beauty of Jesus, to where it just gives you this, this view of... Uh, of beholding God, of being able to, it, even how it finishes and just being able to celebrate and rejoice in who God is and how he's, what he's delivered us from. I don't know, like I've done some of these intros before I've read scripture, but um, I don't know, going into worship, it's always just this, I think what I love about it is that we can step into something that is... Like, no, we don't ease into it. Like we read Scripture, especially yeah. in the Psalms, to where yeah. it's it's allowing us to feel just the power yeah, of God to where then we enter into like a, just an atmosphere of worship to where we get to celebrate. I, I don't know, I just don't like easing into something like this to where we can really jump in and just encounter, enjoy, celebrate what he's done in our lives, what he's going to do in the future. It just, I don't know, going through the motions or just taking this at face value just doesn't make sense. Yeah. But that we really can get just caught up in his presence. So that's even the heart for today. That's, that's even just with everyone here who leads worship. That's the heart of our church, is to be able to celebrate a good God, someone who really loves us and pours out every time we ask. That's good. So Jesus, we just thank you so much. We thank you that your scriptures just paint a picture of someone who deeply loves us, who wants to encounter us, who doesn't want to just have this one encounter, and then we just have to stay the course, or we just have to run through the motions, or endure God, you do sit with us in our pain and in our hurt, but you also bring us up from that place and bring us into a place of joy to where we can choose to live and abide in you. God, let just a heart of celebration break out today. Yes. Yeah. It's okay to feel his love. It's okay to feel just his joy uh, of where you are in your life, of who you are, of what he's brought you through. God, we just, uh, we open ourselves up to just encounter you in whatever way you want. That you would break us again. Not out of a place of of just pain, but a a place of just wreck us. Wreck our lives all over again. It's that first love encounter. We can live from a place of just consistently returning to our first love. Even just these Sundays, God, where we can, even when we enter into worship corporately, it's just a returning to when we first met you and being captivated all again. We can never be tired of encountering you. So, Holy Spirit, would you pour out? Would your presence just fill this place and let us just be able to see you in just a, a way we haven't seen you before, God? In Jesus' name, amen.
1: So worship that is truly formative, like what we just experienced, only has one option, and that's to send us. It's not just to gather us. And if that's the case, then it was meaningless. And so as we pray today, our prayers of the people are about being a sent people filled with God to people who are not. And so I'm going to ask you to pray boldly, and I want to ask you to think of someone, someone who in your life needs a Jesus who reconciles who brings dry bones to life, who shows who they are, who redeems things that are unredeemable, who need Jesus right now. And I don't want anybody to not mention somebody, even if it's your own name, which many of us in this room, including myself, need to speak that at times. So with all of us in this place, as I begin to pray, I want us to say the name of who we want to see Jesus completely overwhelmed with his love. Does that make sense? On the count of three, one, two, three. Father, we lift all of these people to you, that as we gather and sing songs to you and celebrate your presence because we are in the midst of it, we know that we are only experiencing that to take it to those who don't have it. We are your people. We are your body. So all the names that were just mentioned, I pray in Jesus' name today that they would see the light, that they would understand how they are loved and pursued before they are worth Before they understand that you are drawing and wooing them. Help it to be tangible today. And if you need us to step in and do something for that person, give us the bravery to do so. And as we step into a time of prayer, Father, we lift up every church meeting right now in Smyrna. We lift up Cumberland Community Church. We lift up Square Church. We lift up Vining's Church, Vining's Lake Church. We lift up Every other church, First Baptist, First Methodist, First Smyrna, Second Baptist, Second Methodist, every church in this city, we pray that your name would be resounding in their spaces. We pray that people would have a tangible experience with a God that redeems and draws people through the Holy Spirit to Jesus, where the gospel lives. We pray that that would happen now across the globe in the world. If you guys would be so brave, there's at least two people in this room who are going on a mission trip this week. Can you just say where you're going? Say again right here. Under us, Father, we just pray, if you guys wanna point your hands toward them, for the church and the body there that needs to be strengthened and encouraged, that you would send them so full of you, God, that it's natural and easy, that you would touch both of those trips. And for the church all around the globe right now, God, the ones being persecuted, the ones that can't read the word in public, I pray that your presence would be known, God. For the American church right now, the one that feels like they have it all, God, and we just wanna be famous here. It's ridiculous. We ask that you would show us where we think we're not broken so that we can bring it to you and then be healed. Help us to have eyes to see. We thank you, Jesus. We pray for the needs in our world. If you would be so bold as to state a need in our world that we can gather around in these next few moments. You can do that now, out out loud. And we trust as we give these things to you, God, that we don't have to fear, but we can present them to you. And we ask that you give us the faith to see a future with you in it in these things, not with you outside of it. Help us to be a people who live faith through the way that we live and believe. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys. We, I'm not going to keep here forever. It looks like I've got about 20 minutes to preach, and I'm going to do that concisely. Okay, are you, are you good with that? You guys appreciate the word? Say I love the word. Say it louder like you mean it. <laughs> awesome. Super good. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so today, I was going to preach this last week, and then it's summer right now at River City. Um, last week, it was the most summer day we've ever had. It was like Here. And so I felt like we were supposed to pray and create space for that. So we ended up spending the whole time praying for one another, praying for needs and some worship. So it was a really good day. But today I've got a message that I feel like I'm supposed to share. I'm going to share it. And it's about Lydia, but it's really about what it looks like to see God drawing people and being sent. So how those things overlap. And hopefully by the end of this, the questions inside of you, like, what am I supposed to do right now? Or what does God want me to do with my life? Or... What's the vision for our family? Or what are, What's what am I supposed to be a part of? That you'll have tensions kind of back off that so that you can be, I feel like, activated to sense how God is already involved and say yes to what he wants to do, which hopefully, for most of you, doesn't completely thwart the rest of your day. When some people hear about things like listening for God or being led by the Holy Spirit, there's an instant wall that goes up. And for a lot of people, there's good reasons why. abuses spiritually, leaders telling them what God told them to tell them, and God didn't have anything to do with it. Some guy in college telling some girl, God told me we were going to marry one another. And you were like, that is not, can't be God. But you did marry him, and he's here with you. So (laughs) you see what I'm saying? You see the intricacies of this kind of stuff. So hopefully today, as we talk through this, you'll be encouraged like I've been encouraged to want to know specifically how God is leading, and to not make it as complicated as, as it can be. For a lot of people, for, especially for churches, it's kind of a thing now. Like, you can even hire teams to come in and teach you what you need to put on your walls, like our four vision statements, right? Many of you have been to so many churches, love God, love people. That's that's like the number one, you know, that's a great um, commandment, but that's so on every church wall. There's other ones like we're going to reach the city or there's intricate ones and deep ones or real specific ones. We're going to reach this kind of person or for us, we like to keep it kind of wide open and that's on purpose because when you're following God, if you decide to lock in specifically on some things, a lot of times you limit yourself to what God would actually want to do. Um, it's like one time for me when I was in youth ministry, I heard this guy named Marcus Buckingham teaching on how to like, attract an audience and woo an audience and how to be a gifted speaker. And he said that for him, when he was preaching to large crowds, something leapt in him. And I, for me at this point in my life, heard that statement and ran with it and put onto it that God was calling me to large crowds, <laughs> which of course is God, right? Which I didn't know at the time was about my ego and identity and trying to receive some kind of credit because I'm broken in so many ways, so I attached my calling to this, hoping for scenarios where this could play out, but I missed so many important opportunities along the way. Where the essence of the call could have been used in so many ways, it wasn't because it wouldn't help me get to this place. And so the passages I'm gonna read today, especially about Lydia, talk about what it looks like when someone's told to do something by God, but on the way having something happen that they don't forsake. And this person actually becomes the first convert in an entire nation, right? So this is important. So we use the word mission a lot in churches. To me, if I'm not a Christian, like this is one of those words like discipleship. You're If you're a Christian, you're like, yeah, we know what discipleship is. It's great, right? Mission's the same. It sounds scary, honestly, if you weren't raised. Mission almost sounds like militaristic. Like we're going on a mission. If you're not a part of a community, that's probably scary. But what the idea is, what are we doing with what we have? The idea of mission is, what am I supposed to do? right? And your families, maybe you have something you do. Maybe personally, I know Chris Masters does a good job of trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do? I know Alita does a good job of personally sitting down and creating space to be like, what is God calling me to? All of us have something. In fact, right now, every one of you as something you're going after. Whether you know it or not, there's there's a goal. You're getting somewhere. The sad part about this, if you want to get really deep into this, especially in America, not many of us have that much need, as we see financially, our homes, our cars. It's not even our, if we have a car. It's how many cars do we have and how many do we need, where you go to another country and the need is so prevalent, there's so many opportunities to throw yourselves at Jesus' feet. But here you have to first convince people that they're in need. We have money, so we don't think we're in need. We're all broken. Just as equally as anybody on the planet, we now have to be convinced that we're broken. Isn't that scary? So, it's, it's, so ministry in, in America is actually, I think it's the hardest place to, to do actual ministry on the planet because nobody's in need, right? And the Jesus we formed looks more politicized than actual gospel. And so it's a tricky place. So when you start talking about vision, The question you have to ask yourself is, what are you actually going after? And if you're interacting with a Jesus who's present, if he was present in person, what would he say about the thing that you're going after? Right? Because you want it to be the right stuff. So I want you to pretend like you are seven years old. How many years old? I want you to put the critic that lives in your heart that I know many of you have. He's housed at a table leading it right now saying, wait a second talking about vision and the Holy Spirit and guidance, and we just worship for too long. You need to stop. Go to the bathroom. Quick, break. You're like trying to get out. I want you to take the critic. We have to do this in our house. I want you to take the critic that is screaming at you right now. Put that critic at another table just for a little bit. Let him sit over there. He'll come back, right? Don't let him speak into me asking you to be a seven-year-old child and have faith that what I'm about to read to you is possible for you now. Don't let what you've already been informed with tell you that this isn't possible. You can go back to that if you'd like, but just give space to possibly be wooed by Jesus in this. Does that make sense? Are we good with that? All right, I'm going to read you John 14, 23 through 29 first. Give you a second to look at the screen because I know none of y'all are opening your Bibles. (sighs) Two of you are. Thank you, guys. Right here. These guys are like, well, I don't know if you're looking my Bible. All right. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And just put a pin in this. This is a very scary situation for them because Jesus in the flesh is telling them, I'm about to not be with you. We read this as history for us. They're hearing now for the first time, you're about to what? So this is, peace be with you. This is troubling, but my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you believe. This happens, okay? We all know the stories in Acts, and I'm about to read a passage in Acts, where Christians are ignited and taking the gospel places and they're guided into situations that crazy things are happening. We all know that that happens. This is is how that starts. They see this happen to Jesus, they're sent. A couple things about the Holy Spirit. First, like I said, this is good and bad for them. Jesus is leaving, but they're being gifted the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Detached from the Holy Spirit, Anything that's been connected to it, where a person receives all your money or gets to tell you everything about you and you don't have any say in it, that's not the Holy Spirit. Detached from the Holy Spirit, the idea that the person who is guided by the Holy Spirit is the only important person in the room, that is not the Holy Spirit. In fact, if it's a truly Holy Spirit-led person, they're led to be more like Jesus, which died for everyone and still dies for everyone. We are all still saved by Jesus a person walking in the spirit looks like the fr- this is the this to me is always so dumb it's like this is like this simple 101 stuff the fruit of the spirit should follow the gifts of the spirit or it's not the gifts of the spirit like it's just easy but we mess it up cuz we also like to be important and sometimes people tell us stuff from the holy spirit that means we'll eventually be important like i'm going to have a big stage of people to preach to which is more about my ego than the gospel of jesus christ right So another thing, the Holy Spirit brings the things of the disciples about Jesus to their memory, which means, and I'm going to take a pen back to Doctor Johns who came and preached on the text, the word. Whenever you're gathered in the text or in community with the Spirit of God, the Spirit has the ability to recollect all the things about Jesus that are true and bring them to the present with you. Do you understand how important this is? Now. The Holy Spirit is not there to just tell you how important the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit's job is to lead to who? Jesus, because the gospel is centered in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit gathers all the information you've been gifted and all the truth about Jesus and brings it into play. That's why when we talk about reading the word, it's not just a flat, sterile reading of extracting a fact about something. It is an interactive play with community, spirit, and Jesus, because he is Logos. Jesus is the word. And the word wasn't important until Jesus made it important. Does that make sense? This is so important. Because every time you sit down, for those of us who doubt, in the text, you're now stepping into, like she said, and this is where people are like, whoa, into a portal. And you can take it back. You're stepping into a conversation where the spirit is present and Jesus is present in the text. So it's not just, what am I going to get out of this? and blah blah blah, blah. Does That make sense? So the Spirit has the power to bring all things about Jesus back because Jesus left, but he gave him a helper. And it actually says that in that passage. That's so important that you understand that. So as I bring these things up to you, many of you already checked out. Many of you have already were like, yeah, we're done. I'm done listening right after you said all that. That was nice of you to say that. But I'm going to ask you again, put the critic over here. What if you just open up to the possibility That the Spirit of God would lead you into something more deep than you've ever been to, more, I can't believe this is happening than you've ever had happen. What if you allowed space without letting the critic sit in that seat? What if you just gave space? And don't let me convince you or anybody here convince you, but just say I'm open. I will be open. Like, there's an area I will never be open, that's mayonnaise. I'm not touching it, it is disgusting. And sour cream and cottage cheese. First of all, back to sour cream. That's the worst name ever. I'm not trying it. I don't care. You can tell me it's in stuff I've ate. I know it's not. I promise. Feta cheese. Disgusting. I'm not open to that. I'm not open to that. I'm not going to be open to that. Cream cheese. That's stupid. All right. I don't get it. I know many of you like it. I don't know. But this is something I'm asking you to do. Because of what our culture has done, because of bad leadership, we have decided that we're throwing everything out, and we're alleviating some of the best stuff. I mean, just think of this phrase: to be guided by the God that you're even gathered here for, through the Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit—that's a gift. That's the Trinity. To, to say to you, this can actually happen, and for you to be like, "I'm not interested in that. It's that's not a. You're not interested. is not not about that." It's about something else, because what I just told you, that's who would not want that. So be honest about it, but be open to it. In this passage that I'm about to read, this is how the gospel goes. This is what happens when people give themselves to Jesus. And I'm going to read you. This is a beautiful text. And I think it's really important that I mention this about Lydia. At this time, for a woman to have prominence is unheard of. I mean... We have the Me Too movement right now. That movement would have been destroyed in an hour at this time. Women didn't have rights. You could stone a woman. You could still lose your life for just standing up and speaking over men. This person in this text, this, see I love this about Jesus and I always get on a soapbox here. He is always highlighting women and elevating them above where they should be and sending them on mission. He has no qualms with that. This is the first convert in Europe. Does that make sense? Mary of Magdalene, right? Think about all of these, everybody that Jesus ignites and sends, the women are all doing just way better than the men, doing more gospel work. The woman at the well, right? She, whole town. So again, for me, a soapbox, don't get caught on cultural things that are gonna keep you from the fullness of the gospel, right? Because the women, I'm, I'm just gonna tell you right now, the the women and the men in my life, and I have, you know, I have a dad in here who's, man, you're awesome. Where's my dad? Where's my ditty? That guy right there. There's been a couple men that have really poured into me the list of women who have loved me the way that Jesus, it's not like, it'd be like, put that away. It's embarrassing how many women have loved me the way that Jesus. So, I'll just stop there. All right. Oh, So, you don't have to do that. You ain't got to do that. All right. So here we go. I'm going to read you Acts 16. And a vision appeared back up right before this. This is an interesting thing. Paul is by the Holy Spirit told to not go to a couple places, just like we all do, like on your way somewhere to take the gospel. Don't do that. You want to go over here? No, don't do that. So he's led somewhere and then stopped literally by the power of the spirit. Not like a maybe I shouldn't, but like a definite don't goes over here. Stop comes here in the middle of the night. This is what happens. And A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel there. Again, essence over specifics. There's a way to read that and say, I'm supposed to go find a man and not take the gospel. The gospel is the essence. Amen? Okay, so setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, probably around three. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside. I'm totally down with this. Where we, were supposed, where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to a woman who had come together, to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. In one commentary, it said, This is the perfect blend of Mary and Martha. It's a worker and a worshiper found in Lydia, which I thought was beautiful. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Ah, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. You cannot skip over that. You cannot skip over that portion. And after she was baptized, I'm sorry, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said to Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Basically, that means she was gonna have her way. And she was like, you guys aren't leaving her home eventually becomes a missionary hub, okay? A couple things about this you cannot miss. One, there's two groups of people. There's one group who has already fallen in love with Jesus and by the Spirit's power understands that their mission is to take the gospel. They don't know the specifics, so they're open to the specifics, which is go find a man in Macedonia, correct? How many of us just read about a man being found in Macedonia? Did we read at all that there was a man found? Well, isn't that peculiar? Isn't that peculiar? There's so many of us that get locked into things about what God wants us to do that are not the emphasis. And he might have found a man at some point, but in the text, he didn't, right? So I'm not going to make more of that than there is. But I will say that the start of the gospel in a nation happened because this group of disciples knew Jesus and was sent and found someone already being drawn by God. That should freak you out. To me, that removes so much of the pressure about what it means to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can hear and listen, and maybe this isn't us, and I don't expect to be woken up in the middle of the night. I don't need that, honestly. Like, My faith is in Jesus, and if that happens, I'm gonna be amening it and telling you about it, but my faith is in Jesus and he's gonna lead me. I know that. So I don't have to have it happen, but I can know that I know him and he will send me, not just to anyone, so I don't have to create a slogan to try and sell Smyrna on Jesus, right? Like, that works ever. But I can trust that he chooses whom he draws when he draws them and that those paths can interact with one another in the way that makes the gospel come to life. But you have to be able to listen and understand that you are the vessels that carry the gospel. And here's the tricky part, some of you are still being drawn. And some of you are still being needed to be shown that Jesus is so for you that you would leap to go on mission for him. Many of you are not there, many of you are still upset And many of you still have a a critic sitting at the center of the table and you're angry at a dad or a pastor or a church because we're all idiots. That's just for you to know. We're all humans just like you. And you've still got the critic sitting there because these group of people or this happened. And Jesus is like, that wasn't me. I was with you in it. Put it over there. I'll do it differently. But that excites me to know that he is always sending people on mission and drawing people. He's doing all the work. He's like, don't make it harder than it is. Create space. Do you know the, the one thing that every group here does? Hear me, people who know that you know God and you want to tell everybody how it is that they're going to connect with God. Both groups create space for spiritual disciplines. It doesn't just happen. There's someone seeking God who finds a place to pray. And there's a group who are sent by God who find a place to pray. And they converge and the supernatural happens there. That makes sense? We don't get to choose the supernatural stuff. We don't get to recreate it either. And I hope that they didn't try and do another one of these the next week. I hope that they were just willing to take the essence of the gospel and let the specifics be up to God. Because there's dependence built in that kind of relationship. If you lock it down to a system, you don't need to depend on God. You can just create, you can hire somebody like Alita to come in and make it awesome because she will. You can have Chris Masters form a a self-help plan because he's got a book on it, probably on him. You could have, you can do it without him that way. But there's an interplay in your dependence on the spirit and trusting that he will lead you or she will lead you to where and who needs it. That is beautiful. That's why I know we're supposed to be in Smyrna. That's why you shouldn't question where you are right now in a way that says everything is gone. It's not like that. And so I want to do a couple things as we try and close. And I might preach under 20 minutes today, which is amazing. The convergences happen because God is always drawing and always sending. And you're one of the two or you're both. He's drawing and sending. He's drawing. But here's a question for you that you cannot avoid if you are a Jesus follower, if you do love him and you know that he is for you, who are the people that he is drawing around you? This is your mission. Who are those people that are asking the questions like, who is this God? Who are those people who are at the end of something and needing help right now? Who are the ones that are already sitting around your tables that are asking the questions about, I mean, I've, I've had in the last six months, Since five years ago planting, more people start asking questions than they ever have. And I'm going to give you just an honest thing that happened, and we have a couple new people here that might not come back because of this, but don't be offended. This is really what happened. I was using the bathroom about a month ago. You know, none of y'all do that, but when you're over 40, like I am, you still have to go to the bathroom. And I was in my bathroom, and I was looking across the street to a lady that is a different religion than us. And I heard, I felt not, and, and hear me say this. I didn't hear audible Jesus speaking. I, I get a sense when I know he's talking to me. It almost feels like confidence, but not in a prideful way. And I felt him say tipping point. And I was like, that's stupid. This is a book by a famous guy, Tipping Point. And it's about making your business good. And I was like, I don't want to make a, I don't even run a, I'd be terrible at that. And I saw this lady come out of her house and I I feel like quick in my heart to say, Sarah's been pouring into this person for a year. She'd never tell anybody that. She's been trying to, she takes her food. She loves her well. She goes and sits with her. She invites her over. Um, And so I I was like, so I was like, maybe this tipping point is about all of the investments that we have. It's not about building a church, but just about loving people well. Maybe we're about to see some fruit there. And so I was like, whatever. So I I flushed uh, the, the toilet. So I didn't get in trouble, amen. Um, And then I walked out to the kitchen and my son Noah is reading a book at the kitchen table and he shows me the chapter and it says, tipping point. And I was like, that's "That's a coincidence. I didn't say that at all, I I was like, and I told him, I was like, put your book down, buddy. Put it down now. Like, this is a God moment, everybody. And they all like, usually when I do that, there's a little bit like, okay, daddy, whatever. But everybody was like, whoa, really? So I felt like God was saying, be attentive to who he is drawing, not to invite to church, even though do that, that's fine, but so that you can meet a need for a person who will eventually need Jesus. They don't know it yet maybe, but you'll be able to step in at some point. But it could be the long haul. Like true ministry is not what happens in six months. It's what happens in six years, and then you get to start a relationship. True ministry is the people in your life forever and the fruit coming from that. And so tipping point. I'm hoping I didn't just finish the sermon on that, but that's all right. Anyway, so I do want to ask you a few questions, and I want you, I want you to actually get specific with this, but I'll, I'll say this first. A mission in a city, as we close in a second, it always looks for actual need, and good news has to actually be good news to people which means for us, if everyone has heard the gospel and everyone has, you have to know the specifics of what a person needs, which is why I love that they were in the city for possibly three days. It's why I love that Paul also visited the areopagus after staying in a city for three days. And I've said this so many times, he sees a statue to an unknown God around a bunch of important people talking about things. And he says, after he's thought through it all, I actually know who this unknown God is, his name is Yahweh. And they draw him into conversation. So it's this idea that good news for people can't just be you saying, and I don't think our church does this. Have you sinned? Yeah, well you're going to hell. Okay, do you want Jesus? Shh, no, what? We know that doesn't work, right? That's not lasting fruit. That's not the gospel message. The Gospel messages came to give life and life abundantly. Right? He came to take dead and make it alive. And we're dead in so many different ways. We're dead emotionally, we're dead relationally, we're brokenness, we're so scared of our brokenness. Just the entrance into those conversations will begin to shed light on how God wants you to love someone. Not for you to put a notch in your belt and talk about how many salvations we have, but just so that you can love someone and no one else knows it's happening. did not that just excite you? Like that's why I wanna be a Christian. If if that happens, if every one of us has one of those people in the rest of our life, that would be amazing. That would be so amazing. That's my challenge to you, but I'm not going to challenge you like that today. I'm going to give you a couple other things. So You can pull this up, and we'll close. My second time I said we're closing. So, what are you doing with the good news? Here's some challenges. I want you to just pick one. For some of you, just silencing the inner critic for a season, an extended season. The voice that tells you none of this is real. God's not real. The Bible's not real. It's too flawed. There's too many mistakes. The Holy Spirit isn't real. There's people abusing it. I haven't seen God's fruit. Why are there wars? Why are people being killed? Those are very legitimate things to struggle through. I'm asking you for a season if that's for you to just put it over here. Create space to hope again. Second one, just create spiritual discipline space. We have to do this. Worship, what we did before, is one. Prayer is another. Meditation is another. Going by a river is my favorite, go. Gathering a group of people together and say, let's read this passage together, tell me what you think it means. And let everybody be wrong, it's okay. Just gather around the text, do something for a season. This is why she was able to perceive that the good news was coming. She was already taken to a deeper space because she had created space. So it made sense to her, it landed. But the person who was just walking through there, not Lydia, that person just kept walking. There's something happening over there. There's a, uh, they're talking to, a, the rabbi's talking to a woman. The person just kind of flies through the spiritual disciplines and doesn't create space for it. That's what happens. Yeah, that seems cool, but that's that's illegal. And then she's there. She's created space. She can perceive the deeper. Many of you cannot perceive the deeper because there's only space created for work. And you're just flying by these God moments where you could have sat right next to Lydia and been like, I want some of this. What is this? And been the second convert to Europe. You never know. Okay. All right. Carry on. Pray for openness to receive the good news as good news. So many of you are still serving a God who is angry with you and only here because you don't want to go to hell. And I'm just telling you, the good news is not that. The good news is actually, it's the broken being made whole. It's befriending your scars. It's realizing you're not the things that were said. It's being made new as a baby is born. That's born again, It's like brand new. The essence over specifics. Others of you are so locked into one thing that God said, and I see this with people on stages the most. God has told me that I'm gonna, and I put myself, my Facebook profile pictures me preaching to a crowd and and I'm leading worship to thousands, and, and that's good. But the heart of why you're even in those is the essence. So if I sit across the table with somebody at Crystal's, because I'm probably praying for their health decisions, that's why we're there, or wherever, Ruth Chris, that that's as important of a conversation as this one, right? This isn't more important because more of you are here. This is important because Jesus is present and he's trying to do work. Same with worship, so lead worship in front of two people. Same with prayer, don't need to be in front of people. Pray with someone and let nobody know. Number five, reclaim the story of a beautiful mission. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the most fantastic story. And and Dr. John said it, when her kids got the Harry Potter series, they stayed up all night because they were drawn by a story that kept them, this story is even better. Don't simplify it in in 10 truths and say, these are your 10 truths. Let people be fascinated by it, drawn into the mysteries. Number six, just focus on the people around you, God is drawing. Who are they? Make a list, pray for each of them each day and ask for an opportunity. I promise you'll get one. If if, If he's drawing and you're being sent, and then last, wherever he is sending you, if it's him sending, you can trust that his peace will be there. It won't be the kind of peace the world gives and provision is there for what's needed for the assignment. That doesn't mean you get a brand new Beamer, that means that whatever's needed for that is there and it will somehow fill you up as much as the other people. That make sense? So, if you all stand with me, sorry to keep you long. Look back at that screen. Which one jumps out to you, don't say it to me. That'll mess me up. It'll be weird. And ask God to solidify a conversation to start happening with you and Him, and even at lunch today. I'm not going to pull up the next slide, which is what we sense for RCC for the next five years, which feels pretty important. I don't want to. I don't want to rush through it. I'm glad we got to celebrate like we did today. So Father, we create space right now. So this is why the gathering of the saints is so important, but so not important for people right now. We can just watch people at home on TV or buy us a worship album, but when we gather, we can pray and sense and hug, we can encourage, We we have to have interaction, it needs to be sloppy. We can't avoid that part of the gospel, Father. So help us to create the spaces for spiritual disciplines, for spiritual friendship, for community, for the kind of community that draws us to the Eucharist, to the table, gathered around your word, the Logos, your son. Help our Holy Spirit conversations always lead people into Jesus' conversations. Help us to fall back in love with Jesus as the good news. And help us to have the eyes of Jesus that sees Peter when he's self-deprecating, hating himself, but you see the rock of the church. And help us to see with the eyes of Jesus that sees a prostitute in Mary of Magdalene when you see someone who will worship you better than anybody has worshiped you. And help us to see Jesus who sees the woman at the well who has already had six husbands and is living with someone else. And you see the gospel winner of the decade. Help us to see the Lydia's that we might skip over on our way to mission and realize she is the mission. And I'm just saying this to you, many of you, are in the midst of your mission and you think you're not there yet, you are doing it. Don't forsake it. Don't skip through it. Don't just wish you found the man from Macedonia. You are in it right now. It's nitty gritty. It's not fun. It's not puppy dogs and butterflies, but he is with you and he is going to work through you if you make yourself available. So Jesus, we thank you. Give us the grace to be a community that loves people like you love us. In your name we pray. If you'd like to leave, uh, please say thank you to the... Children's Ministry works for staying long. If you'd like to stay in this room, we're going to provide prayer for people. But please keep in mind that we're going to be doing that in here. Love you guys very much. Thank you for coming today. God bless. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.